This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Ecologists that model populations of species often use matrix population models. These models often assume a stable stage distribution. What is the stable stage distribution? And how far away from the stable stage distribution are empirical matrix models? Jennifer Williams recently had a paper published dealing with this issue in the Journal of Ecology. In fact, she won the Ecological Society of America Plant Population Ecology Section Postdoc Excellence Award for the paper. I recently caught up with Jennifer at the Ecological Society of America meeting in Portland. Can you briefly introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jennifer Williams. I'm currently a postdoc at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, and I'll be starting as an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia in the Geography Department in January. What problem was your study trying to solve, or what motivated your study? We were motivated by the fact that there's been a lot of recent theoretical work on the importance of what's known as transient or near-term population dynamics that may have have really big effects on population dynamics or projections of population size in the future. And the theory predicts that if transient dynamics are important, you can get really different predictions of what population size or the growth rate should be like in the future. So the question that we were interested in is how common should this be true in real plant populations? So why should we care about this question? So one of the reasons that we might be interested in predicting how many plants are, say, in a particular location in the future is if we're interested in either managing an invasive species that's really common or in a rare species that's not very common. And we need to know which details to include in the model to make predictions about how population size will change in the future and how our management actions might affect size of populations. So um, in your study, you you were interested in sort of uh, how how often populations are sort of near a stable uh, stage distribution. Um, for those unaware of the terms in this field, what, what, is, what is a stable stage distribution? So one of the ways that people build models of populations is to divide the population up into different stages. And the stable stage distribution is what happens at equilibrium when the relative proportion of individuals in each stage is the, stays the same through time. So the population may be growing or shrinking, but the proportion of young individuals, for example, will stay, should stay constant through time. And it's one of the assumptions of many population models, is that, that this is happening. So, so an important part of the paper was uh, measuring sort of the deviation from the stable stage distribution. How, how did you go about that? So we had data that were already published on a lot of population models of plant species, and we were able to ask, what does the model predict? What should the stable stage distribution be? And we were also able to use data from the papers that actually said how many individuals were in each stage at a particular time. So we could compare then these, what was predicted from the model, what should be true at equilibrium, to to what was actually observed. And we used three different measures to do that that take into account um, statistical differences as well as some of the properties of the matrix, depending on the measure. So if you could boil your findings down to a few bullet points, what would they be? 
Um, in general, what we found is that most of the plant populations in our study were near their stable stage distribution, which suggests that using asymptotic approaches, so the standard approaches to population models, should be just fine. But what we also found is that when populations were far from their stable stage distributions, predictions of population size and growth rate in the future would be very different from what you might get if what you were using were the equilibrium projections. Right. Right. Um, so, so it sounds like folks doing doing this sort of sort of uh, research can can mostly keep going with with how things have been done normally, but but a little bit of modification needs to happen. Yeah. So we suggest in our paper that because you could get a really big influence of transient dynamics, it's something that people studying population dynamics should look for. Right. Um, but if you don't get big differences between the predicted and the current stage distribution, then using traditional methods would be just fine. Right. So how general do you think your results are? Um, you know, in what cases would you expect um, the same or, or, or different patterns? Because we have, because our data came from nearly 50 plant populations, we expect our results should be fairly general. But we used a pretty conservative measure. So we chose populations from studies that were the least disturbed. We were really curious if there isn't an obvious disturbance, like a hurricane, for example. What are the differences in the, these observed stage structures? But you might expect a really different answer if there are a lot of disturbances. Um, you might also expect a different answer if the environment is highly variable, mm -hmm. which we didn't look at in this study. Right. Um, so... What do you think are the consequences uh, for the field of, of this paper? I think because there's been all of this theoretical interest in transient dynamics, and much of that theory asks what is the maximum effect that transient dynamics should have. And I think what our paper suggests is that the maximum effects of transient dynamics will probably not often be realized. Mm -hmm. That the transients are still important and we still need methods to understand them, but that asking how different could it be at the very maximum is maybe not what will what will happen in a plant population. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that was another interesting thing. Uh, so, so most of your matrices were uh, of plants or all of plants? They were all of plants. Okay. So, so do you think these um, results would hold for animals? That's a good question. And we'd originally intended to include animal populations in the study, um, but the data that we needed weren't available for mm -hmm. animals. So because a lot of animal population structures come from mark recapture estimates, mm -hmm. they don't actually know what the current proportion of animals in each in each stage is. Mm -hmm. My guess is that our results should be relevant to them. Okay. Um, although it might be difficult to say across the whole suite of animal life histories right. how important they would be. So do you plan to build on this research uh, in the future? So this isn't something that I'm currently working on, but one of the co-authors, Martha Ellis, is really interested in how... So we looked at just one matrix, so one-year transition, and she's interested in how yearly variation... So what happens if in every year there's different vital rates and in every year there's a different stage structure? And she's right. doing some more complicated simulations to compare that. Nice. Uh, so... Um, what was the most challenging part of the study? I think for us the most challenging part was getting the data in the first place. Mm -hmm. So we did a huge literature survey and pulled out a lot of studies that 
looked as if they would have the data, and a subset of those appeared on a more closer look to have the data, and then even from there, actually figuring out what people had done to generate their population model turned out to be much more difficult. So we ended up with a pretty small subset of studies compared to the ones we had thought might be appropriate. We've been speaking with Jennifer Williams, a soon-to-be professor at the University of British Columbia. For the Journal of Ecology podcast, I'm Scott Chamberlain.